Welcome to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. I want a special thanks to our sponsors, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish has been a loyal sponsor for years at the coaching clinics and the podcast, and I really appreciate how much they love coaches and players. Also, Interpro Sports, they have a great app to make strength and conditioning much more efficient and effective, so check them out. Guys, many of you obviously didn't make the Peach State Coaches Clinic we had the other day in Georgia. It was a great clinic, five dynamic personalities. I would say this was the best clinic we ever had with just like powerful speakers. John Shulman, Gene Durden, Joe Dix, Heath Esslinger, and Mark Price. And I'm going to do a plug for Heath Esslinger. If you have not heard him speak before, his session, Inviting Parents on the Journey, was one of the best sessions um, I've ever heard. Also, it got the best reviews, I think, any session we've ever had. Go to unitedbasketball.podia.com. I'll put the link in the notes. You can get $10 off this uh, clinic. You can stream the stream the clinic and check it out. Over five and a half hours of content. It's in five separate videos. You can pick them one by one, which how you want to watch them. You don't have to watch it all at one time or worry about fast-forwarding and all that stuff. So unitedbasketball.podia.com. Get Use the coupon code UNITEDPODCAST and get $10 off. The Hoosier Gym Clinic will be here before we know it. We have seven dynamic speakers. Go to unitedbasketballclinics.com, reserve your spot. Early bird pricing is available now. Early bird discounts and same staff discounts. Payment must be made by July 15th to reserve your spot there. Then after July 15th, we'll go to our normal pricing. Again, it's in the Hoosier Gym in Nicetown, Indiana, one of the best sports venues in the entire country. So I hope you'll check those out. Thank you so much for listening. A lot of you are loyal listeners. have been listening since day one. I really appreciate it. Now, let's get to the podcast. Guys, I'm excited about this podcast. It's been a little while since we've had a trainer on the podcast, but I want to welcome Steve D'Agostino to the podcast. Thanks for coming on, Coach. Thanks for having me. Yeah, now that most of us have finished our high school seasons and college seasons and things like that, it's time to talk about skill development and get with our kids. And every coach has been trying to improve, especially over the uh, the COVID time when this time last year we were only doing Zoom meetings. But now we can actually get in the gym with our kids, or most of us can. So we're going to dive into small-sided games and skill development and and talk about that those issues. But, well, Coach, I know your background is skill development. Um, talk about what you what you're doing now, and also what is your philosophy on skill development? Yeah, so I'm in a unique position uh, in the sense that like I don't have one team that I work with or like a set like 20 players that I work with. We work with not only a, a wide range uh, age wise from basically fourth grade all the way up to NBA guys, um, but also like skill level wise as well too. So. I'm always saying, and, and we'll focus on the, you know, high school and up for right now. What, what we really try to do is uh, provide kids a competitive atmosphere where they can learn how to handle adversity. Um, and then we layer all of our skill stuff on top of that. And our skill stuff is, is super simple, right? We take game concepts, we're working on the skills within that. And then we're progressing from, you know, understanding of technique and the why to contact to live. I like what you mentioned there, a competitive atmosphere, I believe is how you, how you worded it. Yep. Talk about that a little more. 25, 30 years ago, or even, you know, man, God, 
I'm getting old. So even 20 years ago, when, when I was in high school, you know, you'd grow up and you'd play pickup and mm -hmm. you know, you, you, if you lost, I know everybody says it, but you lost, you had to sit out. Right. And so there was this natural competitiveness that was in you as a player because you dealt with it every day or a couple of days a week, whenever you would, you would play pickup. And now it's just different. Everything is organized for the kids, whether it's AAU, whether it's a training session. So competing is literally a skill. And most of the time, it's the skill in college that separates guys who have success and who don't have success, especially the ones that aren't the ultra talented players. So to me, the number one skill that we can work on as skill trainers is helping these kids become competitive and then learn how to handle adversity. If we can do those two things, then because at the end of the day, okay, I can teach you how to snake a ball screen, right? Does that matter if, if, if you don't know how to compete and like your coach is constantly telling you how to, uh, that you have to play hard, it doesn't matter. So that's what we try to focus on. And then everything gets layered on top of that. I don't want to be one of these back in my day guys, or you're not yeah. trying to be like that, but yeah. And, and let's not get it twisted. Like the whole back in my day thing. Like the reason why our system is set up the way it is, is because of adults. Kids didn't, kids didn't create right. the system where, where you're going to 10 AAU tournaments in the spring and, and you have to go to a trainer. So like we've literally, you know, I've been at this for 12 years. And so we build in pickup into what we do. We build in, we've been doing three on three for, for 12 years before it was cool to do three on three. And, you know, you lose, like we'll do, we'll have three on three with like 12 guys in the gym and we'll just keep switching teams and we'll keep individual wins and losses. So like, you know, at the end of the, the session, when they go home, you know, the kid that their team only won one game, it's like, dude, the team you were on, you know, was horrible. And we switched you from team to team. So, you know, we do stuff like that. And that just helps obviously build in kind of like that old school mentality with the players. Yeah, that, that's really good. Well, well, let's talk about a couple of specific skills and how you go among your layering or progression, building that skill with a player. And I just want to hit one. How do you teach? or help players build the skill of ball handling? We'll start there. So let me ask you, right, because you're a coach. So yes. when you tell me that your player wants to get better at handling the basketball, what does that actually mean? Like, what does that specifically mean to you? I want them to be able to handle the, game, handle the ball in a game. I want it all applicable into five-on-five -five play. Exactly. So you hit it on the head, right, when you said you want them to be able to handle the ball against pressure, right? Because if you're not being pressured, then – yeah, I mean, anybody can handle the basketball, right? right? So um, what we've done, what I've done in the past, I'm a product of like the two ball generation. So I grew up and I did a ton of two ball. So like there's two parts to this. There's the first part that the player needs to be very confident in their ability. So whatever drills that are going to is going to get that player confident in their handle, those are great. So like for me, it was two ball. I don't do a ton of two ball now. What we do now is we have... I have like a bunch of pace drills that are half court and full court where players learn how to change direction, change speed, stop. Right. And they learn to play at different heights. Uh, and like I said, play at different speeds. Then basically every single, everything else from there is with the defender in contact. And most of that is dummy contact where they're just feeling pressure, whether it's a warm up, just a warm up drill where they have a body pushing against them, whether that's a, you know, a half court layup drill where it's contact all the way into the basket. So they're covering three, four, five, six dribbles with contact. We want them at the end of the day to be confident 
and uh, in their handling ability, and then to be comfortable with contact, right? And then the last part of all that is going live and understanding, you know, you want to drive, not just dribble, right? So learning to get to certain spots on the court with that dribble. Let's say you're working with... Yeah, it may be more on the foundation um, of the type of dribble. So we have like an essential ball handling drib, uh, dribble series that they do where you're working on pounds, then you're working on turn dribbles, then you're working on like couple dribbles and pocketing the ball, right? And just how to manipulate the basketball. We may spend a little bit more time on that. We may spend a little bit more time with them on certain dribble moves. Um, but, but really with them too, we're doing a lot of stuff with contact. Um, or handling the ball in tight spaces against the live defender. Uh, that's good. So um, when you do the contact, is this also uh, – you? I uh, know dribbling has to happen for finishing. Yeah. But in those dribbling phases, is that also working on finishing at the same time, or is it just focused directly on dribbling? Almost all of my ball handling drills end with a finish okay. you know, or like a pass. Um, because I think guys need to get better at passing off the dribble as well, too. So I, you know, I very rarely do ball handling where it doesn't end in a pass or, or a finish. Now let's, let's talk about um, footwork on the catch. And this is something I think many coaches struggle in teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, kids are taught incorrectly. Their feet are never set. They're not balanced. They can't shoot right or, or whatever it may be, or they travel. How do you build that skill? Again, we're talking about that, you know, ninth grade and older kid, high school age. How do you mm -hmm. start? Kid walks to your gym, footwork is just god awful. Where do you start? Coaches, I have to take a minute here to brag on my good friends at Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish is unbelievable. Hundreds of drills you can do with the Dr. Dish shooting machine. They track your player's shooting. You can track your team's shooting. The players have the individual app. It is so user-friendly. But I want to make sure you know how you can get a Dr. Dish using their one-year, no-interest payment plan. That's what I did. I'm in a small school, not a large budget. I paid half up front, and I paid the remainder over the next year at no interest. So contact Dr. Dish, mention this podcast, receive an extra discount, and they will take care of you. Now, back to the podcast. So are you talking about when you're playing off the catch um, and you're shooting it or you're driving like every, you're talking about everything, just playing off the well, catch. Well, we could, we could break those down individually. I was, I was um, talking about shooting originally, but we can talk about to drive. Yeah. So, so I do a ton off playing off the catch. I actually started to do right before COVID hit like a little, I try and give myself like a research project every off season to kind yeah. of, you know, dive in and learn more about. And one of the things that, that I was really um, diving into, because we were doing it with a lot of our wings that we work with is, you know, playing, uh, playing with pace on the catch. So you see it in the NBA guys are doing a great job of it. Like, let's just say you're lifting from the corner of the wing. If you ask a high school or a middle school player to lift from the corner of the wing and you throw them the ball, they're all going to do the same thing. They're going to catch it right. And stand there for a second. And what we want to do is we try and tell our players that while you're receiving the basketball, that shouldn't be any different than the pace that you use with your ball handling. So where you're changing height, you're changing speed, you're changing direction, right? So we have a couple different, not only footwork techniques that we use that allow players to play high, then play low, then play, you know, fast, but also um, 
basically we, we give them options on, on what to do while they're catching it. So whether they're running right through the basketball and not stopping, whether they're catching and ripping back right away, whether they're catching into a shot fake and we work on all that stuff and all that encompasses is again, the height that you're playing at the speed, which you're playing at, and then your last two steps and your footwork and how you catch the ball. But to go back to like your initial, what we would initially do is have the guy lift and have him catch it into a shot. Cause that's like your base. And then the second part to that is have them catch in a split. So as they come up on their catch, they're splitting to drive left uh, with their footwork or they're splitting to drive right with their footwork. And that way we know at least foundationally, they have the ability to catch and shoot and catch and drive right away. So much of what you said, if you put that in the game situation, they have to read where the defense is. Yep. So if I'm lifting, I recognize I'm going to have the drive or I need to, you know, I'm going to catch, I'm going to have the shot, whatever it may be. So, yeah. so you, when do you add a defender into this to have to actually read a, a defensive player? We end, we add it pretty early, like even in our first, first couple of sessions, cause I do a ton of group sessions. I'm not big into like one on zero, you know, if you're with like an NBA guy, you know, then obviously there's certain things that you want to work on in one on zeros. And, and even like, you know, I guess high school, middle school, where you can dive into certain skills stuff. But like I said before, our philosophy is, is like based around being competitive. So we need to be able to go one-on-one, two-on-two and all that stuff in our sessions. So even in the first one, if we go over like, you know, footwork on the catch, in that session, usually we're playing, you know, lift one-on-one where, where the defender's starting on the lane line, player lifts up, we snap it, they close out and we play. And part of that too, is I've gotten a lot better at like, like, I, you know, I've done this for 12 years. I can script a workout to look really, really good. But, right. but part of me, you know, sometimes when you just throw the kid into the fire, they'll do it on their own. So like, we may not even go over a split, uh, you know, a split footwork on the catch with a player and we may go live one-on-one and he's already, or she's already doing it. Right. And then we point it out and then, you know, we know we don't have to, you know, go too in depth because they're already doing it, you know? So um, I, I go right into it. That's good. Uh, one thing going back to, you know, player wants to uh, catch and shoot. Are you teaching uh, the hop there? What exactly do you mind breaking yeah. down that foot footwork um, in a detailed manner? Yes. So I just had this conversation with coach Showalter from uh, USA basketball too. Yeah. We went over, uh, we were trading shooting secrets and uh, we were talking about, so basically the way that I kind of break down our, uh, my shooting philosophy and where this would come in the last two steps would come into play is, is in our initial kind of like evaluation. I call it your shooting flow. You're a player shooting flow. If you're just thinking about like spot shooting, it encompasses their upper body mechanics, their lower body mechanics, and then the last two steps. When you put all that together, that's your shooting flow. And so like for our last two steps, we have, let me get this right in my head, five different ways that our, our uh, feet are going to go. So the first one's going to be one, two rhythm, you know, it's typical, like mm -hmm. you're saying one, yep. two into your shot. We have one, two hesitation, which again, this goes into like our playing with pace where it's almost like a hesitation dribble where one knee comes up and you're playing up high on the catch. And then as you're catching it, you're reading your defender. And if their hands are down, you're able to go into your shot or your feet are already split. You can go, you know, into a drive. We have our hop um, where, 
we have two ways that we hop. One we call a foot replacement where you're not really covering distance. You're just like quickly getting your feet set underneath you. Um, the other way is a distance hop where if you picture a one, two, let's just say I'm coming up from the right wing, my one, two would be right left. Uh, our distance hop is right foot into the hop, right? And you're landing on two feet. And then the last way is our planted foot where, you know, our left foot is planted. We catch the ball and we're only taking one step into it. So we drill all of those. I don't really have the luxury to, um, to pick and choose because a lot of our players are obviously going and playing for a ton of different coaches. And we have guys that, you know, like a, a certain way for their players to do it. So, so whatever they're used to doing and whatever their coach wants to do, we make sure that we hammer that in with them. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for, thanks for that detail. Yeah. All right. Last thing on the uh, skill development. Yeah. Um, and, and coaches debate about this. I know some coaches, I mean, when they have tryouts, if they do left-handed layups, if a kid doesn't try their left hand, they, they're in the doghouse, it's over. And I know some coaches like, nah, I don't really care if you will use your left hand because realistically in the game, yeah. we want you to get it to your strong hand. How do you yep. attack weak hand finishing? And how do you, you know, if one of your players, one of your guys comes in like, no, my coach really cares about this. How do you go yeah. about teaching it where, they, where they're going to do it well and, and try to master that? like their strong hand. Yeah, we try to make our space, especially for the younger kids, a place where they are, are not worried about failing, right? So like, that's usually the reason why kids aren't good with their weekend, right? They, they haven't practiced it enough. And when they're at practice, you know, they don't want to miss shots or fail. So they're using their strong hand, you know? So um, we've been able to kind of combat that with, you know, giving them a space like, yo, I don't care if you miss it every single time with your left hand, you know, here's the technique. You have to do this on your own. You know, literally, if you show them the right technique and they, they make 20 left-hand layups a day for two weeks, they're going to be able to make, make left-handed layups, you know? So uh, we just try to kind of get them going with that. And then really at the end of the day, for me, you know, I mean, there's been like high-level Division One guys who can't use their weekend, you know? And I get it. Like, you got to be ultra-talented. But I, I'm always – I always laugh with some of these coaches where they're like, well, you better do it this way. Well, dude, at the end of the day, you want your guys to be productive in the game, you know, and, and, you know, most of them, if, they're, if the guys are productive, then, then you're not going to care if they're using their left or right hand. But, you know, obviously, like I said, we're, we're hammering that in as well, too. Yeah, that, that's good. So it, it's important to have a place where, you know, that middle score or high score doesn't feel bad or, you know, well, I guess made fun of almost if they miss nine in a row. But of course, if you if you get out there and your middle school coach is watching, you're like, oh crap! If I try left in the layup, I'm gonna I may hit the pad. There's no right. way I'm gonna try this. Well, well, it goes back to right, like especially everything's organized nowadays, right? So get, where are these kids in a position unless their you know their youth coach has taught them the right way and given them space to try it without fear of failure? Like that's really what it is. If they don't have that, when are they going to have another opportunity to, to, to really learn and work on it? You know, because they're always with a coach being coached, whether it's a yep. training session, whether it's an AAU club or anything like that. So, you know, I would hope, to be honest with you, you know, by the time you get up to ninth grade, you can use your weekend. But, you know, I've, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it all over where that's a not lot of them can't. The a lot I of know. them can't. That's I for know. sure. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of what you discussed already, I think you discussed some like small sided games. Yeah. You, you cover them, but uh, uh, that's a term that's popped up. It's kind of a, yeah. one of those buzz phrases. But I think a lot of us have been doing this stuff for years. We just had a different name for it. Yeah. Um, 
So how, I know in your training, you're probably rarely ever getting five on five, I'm guessing. Right. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but so when you only have six kids in the gym or four kids or eight yeah. kids, how important is it that you have well-organized small-sided games and that they can work on multiple skills at one time? So to give you an example, we have right now, we have, I have five or six um, college slash pro guys. So kid that's going to Penn state kid that's going to East Tennessee state kid that graduated from Villanova two years ago, that's going overseas to play a kid from Yale. Um, and then a couple other college guys that are in the gym and we'll go for like an hour, an hour and five minutes. And out of that hour, about 20 minutes is ball handling and shooting maybe like 20, 25 minutes. And the rest is one-on-one, two-on-two and three-on-three. I mean, for me, it's, to be honest with you, I know we touched on ball handling earlier, but to me, it's, it's shooting and it's, and it's the one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three. I feel like that's, that's how guys are going to get better. Like, you know, you see it at all these programs, the programs that are, are like Baylor, Baylor, number one, they, they can shoot the basketball. They're super tough, right? Super tough. And their game reads are like unbelievable. The way they snap the basketball, drive it, read, kick it. Um, and those are like three of the, you know, like concepts and principles that we're trying to drill in with our guys. So I would say the small sided games and I'm like you, like, you know, my college and pro coaches, we were all doing those breakdowns, like these small sided games, breakdowns and, you know, in practice, this is in, you know, 2004, 2005. So it is funny to, you know, hear the terminology and then everybody thinks it's like a new thing, you know? Yeah. I just called them breakdown drills. Exactly. Like I'm yeah. taking the five on five, yeah. I'm breaking it down to the two yeah. on two or three on three or, or whatnot. So yeah. what are some, when you are creating your small sided game, what is yeah. that process like? Cause I, I get a lot of guys are listening to the podcast, high school coaches Yeah, they're They have one assistant who's a volunteer coach. So they, they don't have a lot of resources. They're, they're thinking, okay, when I need to do this to break down whatever offense we run, what is your thought process? And do you have, you, you have the end in mind at the skill in mind you want them to, to work on, or is it multiple skills at one time? It's a little bit of both. I think it starts out with like one skill and I think it starts out with one-on-one and I think it's just the simple game action and and what you want them reading. So like we do a ton of, and it's what happens a lot in games, right? So we'll do a ton of um, lift action from the corner. We have some teams like some, cause I do a ton of team training, right? So like some of our teams, they don't go any drive and like kick, like no fades away from the ball. Everything is a loop behind or like a dribble handoff. So obviously with them, we're going like, all dribble handoff. Right. Um, I always think it's good to work on like post offense, post defense. So we'll do, we'll always have an action before. So it won't just be somebody in a post, right. It'll be like a cross screen or a flash to the ball to the low post or high post. So I try to take, I try to take exactly what, like, what do you want to work on? If we want to work on wing closeouts, right. Okay. What's the action then? Is it a lift? Is it a drift? Is it a dribble handoff? Right. So I add the action before it. Um, and then we layer on top of that. So, okay, you're going to take that same lift action, you know, and now the passer is going to have a defender on him as well. And we're, you know, we're going to see if that lift player can, you know, make a quick read or a drive and, and kick to that, to that second player now. And so that builds in from one-on-one to two-on-two and to three-on-three. But the, the biggest part to all this is, and I learned this. So like I would do this and we build up to three-on-three 
And, and that's where you start getting, like you said, multiple layers where like now with our college guys, we do a lot of like dribble handoffs, swing, and then guard pin downs where like, I think the, the number one thing guards should be learning right now is how to handle team switching. So we do a ton mm -hmm. of like, okay, if they're switching off the ball, like we have to get good at slipping and front cutting. So like we drill the crap out of that in our guys. But what I've learned is when you're setting them up exactly how you want them to get set up, they can look way better than they actually are. So like yeah. a lot of times in the games, it's not the actual action that is the hard part. It's finding the action within the flow of the game and then making the read and decision. So we'll do a lot. I have to remind myself like, okay, at some point you have to let them play just three on three from just however, right. And off of a miss, they kick it. Now can they find that pin down action yeah. or that handoff, you know? So, yeah, that brings me back to what I was going to ask. I thought of what you were talking when you're doing the one-on-one, two-on-two, as you build to the three-on-three, -three, yeah. how scripted is it for the – or, I mean, are they usually trying to make a specific read or sometimes they don't have to make a read, like they know what the defense is going to do? Or are you setting them up where there's two or three options? If you are a coach who runs camps and clinics, I'd like to introduce you to Inner Pro Sports. Coaches everywhere – are using Interpro to provide their campers with individualized strength and conditioning, mental performance training, and personal nutrition metrics all to their phone. It's easy to implement and will make your camp more profitable. To learn more, email them at train at interpro.com. That's train at interpro, I-N-N-E-R pro.com. So, so, yeah, the only way we would do like the you know, like they're not making a read, you know, like live, you know, would be when we're repping out like the, the technique or, or understanding of it. Right. So if you're lifting, you know, it's like, okay, try and read me the coach and, and, yeah. you know, make a read. But other than that, we're full live, you know, yeah, full live. Great. And like, and, and here's the other thing too. And I don't think people talk about this a lot is like, I bet you, if you charted like an NBA game, well, forget NBA because they're college game the amount of players that make the wrong reads, you know, a different read than what they probably should have made, but have the ability to continue to make a play yeah. is, is probably low. Right. So like, so what we want our guys to do is like, obviously make the right read. Number one, number two, if you don't make the right read, be able to still make a play or keep the ball moving. Yeah. Don't stop. Right. So, so I like to go live and if they mess it up, okay, were you still able to make a play? No, that's important. I've never heard anybody talk about it that way. We always talk about make the right read, make the right read. Well, my goodness, if college coaches are making the wrong read, high school coaches, high school players might yeah. make the wrong read more than they make the right read. Yeah. But does it stop the whole offense? Does it shut everything down? Is there a turnover because of that? Or are you able to play off the wrong read or the wrong decision being made? That's a great point. I'm, I'm yeah. glad you, you brought that up. You got to clip that for me because because that just came off the top of my head too. So. Oh yeah, I always do an audio clip. I'll definitely do that one. That's there good go. stuff. Yeah. Okay, so when when you are because you create a lot of these, I know you guys talk and we all talk to coaches and yeah. still stuff, but you create a lot of these small sided games yourself, correct? Yeah, I try to. Yeah. So when high school guys come in, and let's just say you know you're not. Obviously, your guys that are going to go pro or go back to 
high level D1, you have a specific, like almost lesson plan for them. But if you just get some high school kids that are coming in, maybe they're high level, but you're just trying to make them a better overall player. What are some good small sided games that just work on overall player development? Yeah. So, so if we're talking about like, so I'm big into players and I know it's simple. You need to be able to dribble, pass and shoot. And I think, and I've learned this from Phil Beckner, who Damian Lillard's trainer. You probably see him on tour all, t- all the time. Phil was he's on a, the podcast not long ago. He's a beast. He's he's awesome. And so, like, you know, what he does really, really well with his players is build their foundation. So he's not doing, like, a ton of, like, crazy step back, like all this other stuff. But his right. players have such a good foundation that when they add in those crazy step backs and extra moves, they're able to uh, execute them because their foundation is so strong. Yeah. So what we, we try to do with our guys, high school all the way through, is with dribble, pass, and shoot, we're trying to just build your foundation. So that yeah. like, if, if you come to me and you're like, hey, I really like this, you know, I call it a pro hop shift, which is uh, Davion Mitchell did it in the, in the championship game, where basically you go through the legs to the right, but when you're going to the right, you're hopping back to the left and shooting. Like, if you want to add that in, your foundation's already there. You're balanced, your chest is up right? right. You, you land in the same spot that you can add whatever move you want on top of it. And like, I always say this with like, uh, to, to players, like, do you think a coach cares what dribble move you use to get in the paint? He just cares that you get, or they just care that you get into the paint and not take a lot of time to freaking do it, you know? So, so that's really what we're trying to do with our high school guys. And then same thing with the reads, um, when we go to like game actions and stuff, just the foundation so that wherever they go, you know, the, the typical stuff, dribble handoffs, high post, you know, lifts, all that. One of, uh, just to go back to Phil Beckner for a yeah. minute, because he was on the podcast. He's actually speaking at my coach's clinic in Indiana. Anyway, we were talking, I think it probably off the record, not recording, just talking about some stuff. He was showing me some things and talked about, you know, how he defines balance, you know? Yeah. So I pull one of my kids aside the next day. And I just kind of talk him through it and, you know, the, the kid's like, oh, man. Well, I knew he loved Damian Lillard. I'm like, hey, check this out, man. You know I talked to last night on the phone? Talked to his trainer for 90 minutes. So let me tell you what he told me, I, just to get his attention, you know. Yeah. Not just what his high school coach says. And so we play a big game, um, like, the next day. And this kid was super cult- coachable, senior, hungry. And there's a, there's a clip. And to me, it is the most high-level clip of the year for us. He was at the top of the key. He passed it to the wing. The guy was dribbling, you know, around the arc, and he stayed in that that down ready, that boxer position, yeah. butt yeah. down, chest out, and just did like three or four slides, staying, staying square to the rim, caught the ball yeah. right into his shot. Because most players in high school are standing straight up. They've turned their yeah. hips. They're not going to yeah. get the shot off. Like, this is the separator of a guy who can get now the rest of the year three or four more shots off a game by understanding balance and angles and all that. And I owe that, you know, to Phil and he, he broke that down for me. Um, so that's awesome. Back, Yeah, he, he's great. But, but back to what we were talking about before. So, you know, let's say the coach is listening and he's like, man, I'm a five on five guy. How's this small side of game work? What about the help side? What about like, there's reasons coaches don't like it because there's like, yeah, yeah I'm doing the, you're doing the pick on pick and roll two on two, but what about the guy tagging? What about the guy here? What about the, the gap? Like, what do you say to the guy who says you need all five defenders on the floor to truly teach a concept? I mean, eventually, yeah. I just think, 
you know, that's uh, basketball, especially in the NBA. And obviously that all trickles down is, is two-sided, right? Strong side and weak side. Right. And there's always, there's never five guys in the action at once. You know, there's two guys in the action or three guys in the action. And if they can't do it with two guys, you know, in the action or three guys, they're not going to be able to do it with five guys in the action. I just always feel like, like, again, I'm like, I laugh, like I'm literally good with, I know people crap on trainers all the time for like different things. They use props. Like, you know, I'm not into that, but listen, if it helps a player feel confident and that's how, and, and you're seeing results and do whatever you got to do in the same way with college coaches, right? Like my buddy, he's actually from up here, Jordan Sperber. He runs hoop vision. Yeah. He put, he's he awesome. put out that compilation of like the right way. And I always talk about like, you know, like uh, the, my brother played at Iona for Jeff Ruland and the coach who was there before Patino was Tim Cluis. And they told me that, and I actually played against one of Tim Cluis's teams when I was in college and he's a beast. He's awesome coach, but the type of players that they had, uh, somebody was telling me that they could only go five on five. Like they had to go five on five. They couldn't do breakdown stuff um, because they got up and down the court a ton. They just had guys that were, you know, like transfers, like Juco guys that just, you know, that you weren't going to run the Princeton offense with them, right? You were going to, you know, you were going to outcompete teams, right? Right. And so, like, they would play five on five, and the losing team would have to do, like, these runs with sleds. Like, okay, like, is that the right way? Is the way Baylor plays the right way? Is the way guns – so, like, to me, it's, it's all good, whatever you want to do. I just feel like, you know, it, it's hard to teach anything, you know, without breaking it down first. That would be my big thing. And you get more touches when you're going two on two, three on three, and it gives the players the, the amount of reps that they need. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to what you said. I, I think w one thing that's hurt we as basketball coaches, and I'm not a trainer, but I think social media has like helped trainers and hurt trainers. Twitter, you'll put people put awesome stuff out there yeah. and we try to copy it. And but there's no, we don't really know context. We just see a 17 right. second clip. We don't know the level the kid or there's a super air the super arrogant guy out there who's like if you use a cone you're an idiot i'm like yeah. you know i don't know i i use cones or right. i've used pool noodles i'll use whatever like yeah it's about you can get to the same outcome do to me it's like if you're a teacher in the classroom and most high school coaches are teachers if a kid struggles you can't hit it with the this this is the only way you got to try different methods to teach them a an economics perspective like i teach economics or math yeah same thing in coaching if a kid doesn't get it one way and you know that this might work you better be able to try different things i just think the twitter verse has made us all super arrogant when deep down we're just, the game is the game is so big and wide you could coach for 30 years and feel like oh crap i don't really know what i'm doing yet yeah i i agree and this is like the constant struggle with me because i'm not like you know, that outgoing, like, uh, like, I, you know, I, I couldn't imagine, you know, again, being a player right now where everything is literally, you know, a million, like a high school player. We have high school players that get tweeted about like every day. Like I couldn't imagine being like that in the same way with like the training world. It's, I get frustrated with, with the guys who don't do a good job that are posting crazy stuff, as, but I get just as frustrated with the guys who think they created basketball. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm like, and so like a good example is, so I saw, a clip of J.R. Smith when he was trying to make like a little comeback and he's shooting, shooting like one legged mid range fit. Yep. And I'm like, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, yo, like J.R. Smith needs to be shooting spot up threes in the corner. 
her because that's how he's going to help a team. But then the other part of me is like, yo, if that's what he needs to do to be his most confident self, then that's what he should do. If that's what he's going to be, that's what's going to make him the most confident player that he can be. As long as he understands that when he gets into the game, you know, in today's game, he's not going to really do it. So I've never understood that. I've always thought like, listen, if you think that a trainer is not doing the right things, then, you know, they're, they shouldn't be able to keep their clients. And, and what are you worried about somebody? Right. Yeah. Who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think many of us high school guys, we shouldn't be taking cues from the pros. Realistically, J.R. Smith's full-time job is to play basketball. He can work on that one footed shot 90 minutes a day if he wants to. I I get 90 minutes a day every other day when games are with my team. So I think that's one thing, you know, every high school coach or some, not every, but they want to, you know, watch Brad Stevens ATOs. Come on, man. You may use that once or twice, but deep down, if you're not practicing all the time, you call the time, you call that timeout, put that in your kids aren't going to run it. No shot. So, I mean, like, I I know you and I are like-minded in that, but yeah, we just have to be more humble. My dad's my dad, not to cut you off, but my dad's a high school coach from around here. And, um, and so like, I would, I remember I was in the stands one time and, and they're good. He won a sectional championship a handful of years ago was went to two or three straight after that too. But like, you know, I'm, I'm in the stands with a young coaching buddy of mine who ended up coaching was an assistant at the college level. And then, you know, is, you know, is doing whatever now, but you know, uh, so we're watching the game and it's two really good teams. And he's like, man, he's like, look at this. You know, that kid's not, he's not closing out with his hand up and, but, He's like, I would do this and I would do that. And I like, kind of like looked at him and be like, yo, you think those, those coaches haven't told these kids that you think that they haven't gone over this exactly. And that they're just high school kids and they're not doing it. It's just, just like the high school kids before them and before them. So it's like, sometimes these young coaches think like, Oh, I'm going to tell them they're going to do it differently. Like, no, that's not, that's not how it works. The key to coaching isn't what you know, it's what you get, can get your kids to perform. Yeah. So if you can have that team that has an 80% closeout rate with hands up and an 80% box out within, you know, 10 feet of the rim, that's, that's elite stuff. But, but we're all trying to get that. <laughs> we're, all, we're all trying to get there. Well, Coach, how can, how can uh, coaches connect with you if they want to learn more about you? Or you, you, have, an, you have an app, correct? Yeah, or, so or, I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit absolutely. too. So Twitter's the easiest way to get a hold of me for coaches. I use that. You know, my Instagram's more so for players. We get a little crazy on there. But Twitter is, you know, mainly my stuff for coaches. And so I spent uh, – because a lot of the stuff we talked about is, is like it, it plays into this app. So when a lot of my training buddies, when COVID hit, they started putting their stuff online. We started doing some Zoom clinics for our players around here, and it was a big hit. It was great. Um, and then I had a lot of people approach me and say, hey, listen, you should do an app. You should put all your stuff on there. It would re- be great for players. And like I said, my dad's a high school coach. I've been, I'm actually like a little different than a lot of trainers. Like my first real training stuff started with, um, I trained two high school teams, two separate high school teams in the, the summer, like my second summer training. Both those teams went on to win state championships. Not nice. because of anything I did. <laughs> yeah, it was because, all because of you. Come on. But because that, Well, that's what's like, oh, you – no, that's not. But it's because, you know, those are the types of coaches that are like, hey, we want a guy to come in who's saying the same things that we're saying, but they're just saying it, you know, it's a different voice, right? And so, like um, – so I've done a ton of team training, more so than probably other trainers because, you know, trainers nowadays are like, well, your high school coach is an idiot and your college coach is an idiot, you know, so – 
So there's, so I create, I wanted to create an app that would help not only high school coaches with their player development, but mainly because I was a small school college player, I played division two for division two and division three coaches, especially these coaches. And at this level, even the high school, you have a limited access to the players, especially at the D three level. You literally can't be with them in the off season and then a limited uh, number of resources. So like most of their assistant coaches are young guys just breaking into the business that they want recruiting anyway. They don't want them focusing on like individual player development. So what I did was I created an app that would not only educate, cause I don't think we educate our young players on play, player development. I think we tell them what to do, but they're not being educated where they can just go and do their own workout. So this app is aimed to educate the players and the young coaches and to empower them to do it on their own. So within the app, it's basically got a skill library of like 170 different videos. So you want to work on, like we talked about playing off, uh, playing with pace on the catch skill video, detailed breakdowns, finishing off a two feet, um, our shooting philosophy. We have a whole drill library. I've curated workouts, the same shooting workouts that we do with our uh, high school, college and MBA guys. There's like a record book so that when you're doing the shooting drills, you know, you can send me a video and you can get on our record list. Um, we're doing mindset videos where, you know, just some of the mindset tips that we use with our players, but also That's film, good. film study, a film study of like things like, you know, not a double through the legs, but more so like a guards advancing the ball over half court, right? How many players uh, in high school need in college need to be able to see NBA guys? Hey, here's what the best do. They snap the ball over half court. So, um, and then they have access to me 24 seven, you know, with any questions or concerns. And, and I feel like my, my best uh, attribute as a trainer is I say the same thing as their high school and college coaches are saying, I'm not going to say anything different than, than what they're saying. So we've gotten tremendous feedback. I actually have uh, an email going out to, to about a couple hundred coaches tomorrow morning, but we have talked to about, you know, 10 to 12 that I know. And, and almost every single one of them is in, um, you know, for their team, for their program. And like you said, in the beginning, what it does is it helps coaches just lay out a vision and a plan for their players and empowers their players to do it on their own. So if, if a program was to do this, can, yeah. can it, can it be individually a player wants to do it or like a yeah. program can purchase it? Or? So there's two ways. So, and I'm more so focusing on the program, but there's two ways. Anybody individually can buy it. Um, the first month is a dollar. And then the, the rest of the months, I believe are like $15 or there's like an annual uh, it's $99 for the year and you have full That's access. Good. We'll update and everything but we're offering it to programs. Um, you can have up to 18 subscribers. So whether it's players and coaches and it's five 99. So it comes to about um, 30, $33 a player a year. Um, so Good. we try to keep it affordable. Most that, you know, we've talked to really small division three schools and we're like, man, that price point is, is, is not hard to, to reach at all. And, you know, and, and, you know, it's only going to be as good as, as the players engage and the coaches engage in it you know, and so we're, but we're giving them, you know, most of the division three coaches that I've talked to have said, you know, we hand them a packet and we hope they do it. You know, this yeah. has no tracking. The coaches can't track because that would be a, a rules violation. So there's right. no compliance issues, but you know, you can literally, they can literally tell a kid, Hey, when you get back, I want you to work on X, Y, and Z. Here's our shooting drills for the summer. Boom, boom, boom. We're going to test it when you get back, you know, hopefully you're, you're, you know, hopefully you're, um, you know, you have everything in your hand. There's no excuses anymore is what I'm saying, you know? And so, uh, yeah, we've gotten great feedback. I'm really excited more so because 
I was a small school college player and I, I wish that I had something like this back then. And my coach could have given it to me where, because I was a junkie, you know, and I would have, I would have ate this whole thing up. So, um, you know, it's, I'm excited for sure. That's awesome. Well, hopefully the podcast can drive some, uh, some people to your site or to your Twitter, check it yeah. out. We'll put all this information in, in the notes for coaches who are listening. Well, coach, thanks a lot for coming on. I, I picked up a lot, especially about the small side of games as, you know, coaches are thinking what to do with 20 something players where yeah. you don't, yeah. you can't go always go five on five. You got six goals in the gym. It yep. limits standing around, it increases yep. competition, competition, more touches per player and so on. Well, man, maybe later on this year, we can have you on again to follow up as, as your business continues to grow. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me know. Where are you in Georgia? Um, I'm near Chattanooga. Are you a Hawks fan? I'm a Hawks fan. Yeah. We got two guys with the Hawks, Kevin Herter and then Nathan Knight did his nice. draft with us this past year. And he's had some really good games for the Hawks this year. I'm excited for him. Yeah. One of my, you know, claims to not fame, my own personal fame is I'm undefeated in uh, Phillips Arena as a coach, 2 and 0. Oh, okay. we, used to, we used to, it used to be where you could, uh, you could go play in the arena before a Hawks game. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, for every 100 tickets you sold, you got an hour of court time. So to get a boys and girls game in, you end up hosting team. But it's so about 450 tickets. And we beat the number one team in the region in triple overtime to the point where, obviously, you're, you're finishing up by like two or three hours before the game starts. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're playing like a noon game. The game's at seven. Right. But, like, even Hawks employees and some players are, like, walking out, like, yeah, watching in this triple overtime <laughs> barn burner, and yeah, man, we we That's beat the awesome. number one team in the region that night. It was awesome, but that I mean, awesome. who would schedule region game in an NBA arena? I did. Right, right. <laughs> That's funny. It was awesome. That yeah, cool. that's cool. I'll, I'll keep a, keep an eye on those players. You got to bring that up to the Hawks GM and those guys next time there's a coaching vacancy. Right. I mean, just what's the bottom guy on the totem pole? <laughs> I mean, I could be that's that awesome. guy. Right. Well, right. again, coach, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the United Basketball and Leadership Podcast. Please take a moment to leave us a review and also leave a comment about what you enjoyed most about today's guest. I hope you'll join us on our next episode.